Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to another edition of the Osho Duro Parlay Hour. Hashtag ODPH Podcast. Coming in like it's a smooth jazz lounge. I like it. I am your host, Ken M. I am not in the best of moods, and we will get into why, but let alone we're going to still kick off the show with our illustrious panel with the one and only Padawan Jay in studio. Hello, hello, hello. And my fellow Nick, partner in crime, Coach Duffy, is MIA right now. He's in parts unknown. He is in parts unknown. He might be on his way to Madison Square Garden. He might be on his way to uh, Brooklyn. I don't know where he's going right now because this is a moment that Knicks fans, we have been talking about, we've been waiting for. The biggest sports story of the week right now is NBA free agency, but more importantly, what happened to the New York Knicks at 6 o'clock on Sunday evening? Well, it's funny because... And I say funny, not in disregard, but like just in general, like it's funny how like every it seems like every year we talk about NBA free agency, we watch sports TV and they talk about NBA free agency. And the, in at least the last couple of years, not this excluding this year, it seems like, uh, you know, there's one domino everyone's waiting to fall. And you, and you can kind of see this in Major League Baseball, too, to a certain degree, where there's one domino waiting to fall and then everything else will start falling into place. This wasn't so much a domino falling to play into place as like a stick of dynamite getting thrown down a hole. Well, this is arguably one of the deepest, if not the deepest, free agency class in recent memory for the NBA. I think since LeBron had the decision yeah. way back when, that's yeah. the only thing comparable. I was, saying, I was looking at next year. Nothing, next year's ain't nothing to sneeze at. No, next year's is not going to be anything. And then 2021, I believe, is when Giannis yeah. is going to be a yeah. free agent. Maybe. We don't know what his plans are, obviously. But as we get into this, this is where most teams were making position moves to acquire two max player contracts. Mm -hmm. The Knicks had well drawn out their plan, obviously trading Christos Porzingis to Dallas. That cleared up a ton of cap money. Yep. And obviously them landing a high draft pick. Obviously it wasn't Zion Williamson, but still R.J. Barrett is a great addition to the team. So they put themselves in prime position to land one of these prime free agents. It's like we said a couple weeks ago leading into the NBA draft. You know, it, it's not like other sports where it's kind of a crapshoot. It's like, okay, if you're in like the top 10, you're getting a good player. Exactly. So they were in a good position going into this. Brooklyn was making some moves to clear up cap space, so they had uh, two max player contracts as well. The Los Angeles Clippers had done the same thing. Los Angeles Lakers were making some moves, and now they have they had – to max contract positions, but obviously the move to get Anthony Davis takes care of one of those. So this was a very interesting moment going into the week, and we had heard and we had mentioned on here for months, and I had mentioned on here for a while too, Kevin Durant was going to be a New York Knick. It was going to be locked and loaded, signed, sealed, delivered, and the Knicks would be coming back to prominence. This is finally after just years of – what's the word I'm looking for, Pat? Shit. You could say that. Okay, I wasn't going to go that crazy, but I was going to say mediocrity. I mean, mediocrity, but like it's kind of like uh, Stephen A. Smith said on the ESPN's coverage of the NBA free agency on the jump yesterday. Like, you know, na- he he basically goes, name me the last time a superstar came to the Knicks. And he's like, don't count Carmelo Anthony. Don't count this. Don't, like, he went back past Patrick Ewing, name the players. Like, don't name them. They're not a, super st- they're not a superstar on the level of, like, Kevin Durant. 
Yeah, they have had some years where just being at Madison Square Garden, the mecca of basketball, you would expect that they would have the greatest players on the court at all times, you know, being a part of the team. Obviously, going into this with Kevin Durant's situation, too, with, you know, the pedigree he has now leaving Golden State, you figured, okay, maybe there's a shot and this is going to happen. And I thought this was lined up. The stars were all aligning for the Knicks between him. Kyrie Irving was talking about leaving Boston. Long rumored, and that's been a whole messy situation I don't even want to get into. Well, and even when there were kind of rumblings that Kyrie was really had spent some time during his offseason in uh, Brooklyn and in that, that kind of suburb of, of New York, and he really started liking his time. They're like, all right, well, you know, the Knicks are kind of looking elsewhere if they can't get Kyrie. They're looking at Kemba. They're looking at this. They're looking at that. Yeah, there was a lot of names on the board. Kemba Walker was one. Kawhi Leonard was the biggest name on the board. And, but nobody really knew what he was doing. And as we were going from last week's episode to this one, there was a lot of speculation mm-hmm. about who was going where and who was yeah. pairing up. Yeah, a lot of discussions and conversations were had. Even to the point of, what, 48 hours beforehand, it was rumored Kawhi mm-hmm. and Durant yeah. were both coming to New York. Yeah. And then what happened on Sunday, Pat? Well, so on Sunday it gets announced that and I it was some point mid to late afternoon that Kevin Durant was going to announce his free agency decision at 6 p.m. on June 30th, so right when free agency hit on the Instagram account for his his sports management channel show, whatever the thing is. So instantly, the followers on that thing, you know, the the followers on that had a rocket strapped to it, and they went to the moon. Uh, and then Woj decided to go, ha, JK, I'm letting it out of the bag early, and announced what, like half hour before free agency, give or take? I would say about 5.30 Eastern Standard Time. 5.30 Eastern Standard Time, he announced that Kevin Durant would be signing with the Brooklyn Nets, along with Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan. So at this point, the Knicks big plan of getting Durant and Irving snapped like the infinity gauntlet mm-hmm. crushing blow to say the least. Yeah. I was going to say, if you looked in certain portions of the internet where Knicks fans like to congregate, I know the Knicks subreddit was one. It, it was not a happy time. No, it wasn't. All right. So now I'm going to kick into speed now because I had my little, you know, time of mourning, so to speak, that this didn't go through. This is mind blowing to me on a bunch of different levels. Now, I understand Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are in going to Brooklyn. Brooklyn is a team on the rise, and I get that. But what I'm looking at is going, okay, Madison Square Garden, the mecca of basketball, New York basketball, always back page of the papers, always the, the driving pulse of East Coast basketball, I guess, would be the way I would look at it. And they opted to go to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And this is just mind-blowing to me to a degree until after 6 o'clock on Sunday. Yeah. And then what did we start hearing, Pat? We started hearing rumblings and rumors that – and some of this kind of tied into stuff we'd heard before free agency kicked off where the Knicks were kind of hesitant to offer Kevin Durant a max contract because they wanted to get his medicals first, which makes sense in this – makes perfect sense. makes perfect sense. Like, you don't don't want to back up the Brinks truck – to somebody's house and offer them the farm if then they're going to turn around turn around and go oh hey yeah by the way that injury that's supposed to be out for a year yeah it's now another year yeah it was something that was a, a factor i guess but i also look at this too coming from the knicks perspective mm-hmm. that yeah every point that we've touched upon the knicks have been mediocre at best 
even when they had Carmelo Anthony, they still were not. They had what? One trip to the playoffs? Well, yeah, one trip to the playoffs. And it was like a first round bounce out. Right. They haven't been seriously relevant in the current game of basketball, shall we say, or the yeah. current NBA. I'll say the last time the Knicks were relevant, uh, Jeff Van Gundy was running on the court. Right. I mean, there's been luster oh, at that moment in time. <sighs> I had to reference it. But. That's the point we're trying to make with this. The Knicks have gone from the, the time of Patrick Ewing and Allen Houston, John Starks, Charles Oakley, Anthony Mason, that whole team, where they were just, you know, obviously facing off of the Bulls in the mid 90s. Yeah. And, you know, obviously since that point and since that team has combusted, the history of the Knicks has not been on point. I mean, they've made some major miscues in, obviously, with some of their dealings. Yeah. And with Carmelo Anthony coming back, we thought that that would be what would get him over the hump, and unfortunately it didn't happen. And then Perzingis was in town, and then everybody thought that that was going to be the case. And that well, everyone thought that was going to be the start. Right, which, I mean, at the time, everybody was like, oh, no, shaking their heads. And then he turned out, okay, that was going to be our unicorn. And then, like a fairy tale, he just disappeared in the middle of the night mm-hmm. because, obviously, whatever the, whatever the story you believe concerning there. The end story is he is in Dallas. With like a five-year, $100-plus million deal. Holy crap. Right, yeah. He got a max contract. So, you know, congratulations for him. So, at this point, the Knicks have to kind of make something happen. And this is a dark moment in Knicks history. Yeah, because already you've got Knicks fans pissed off at the world, upset, frustrated, like every stage of grief you can imagine. And then it comes out from uh, Woj and Ramona Shelburne of ESPN that supposedly the Knicks didn't even offer him the max contract. Right, which we are hearing a little bit more since then that Kevin Durant didn't even give him a meeting. Which was weird because, like, I know people were freaking out about that. And I'm sitting there, like, I didn't kind of throw it out there to anybody because I was like, wait, I don't want to be wrong on this. I thought I remembered seeing that, that, like, in the minutes after Durant had announced he was going or it came out that he was going to sign with the Nets. It might have been a little bit after six. I thought I saw someplace that he didn't even meet with any other teams. He didn't talk to anybody else. He just simply gave Golden State a call to tell him what he was going to do. Right. This is where the story gets a little murky to say the least, because initially the report was the Knicks came out publicly and said, okay, we weren't going to offer him a max contract because we didn't understand what was going on with his knee. Which is the dumbest thing to do right after you lost out on him. Right. That was just how it appeared at the time. I get it's damage control, but that is just dumb. That is dumb and it's petty. And that was just foolish to even... Why they even got released, I don't even understand. That's something that should never have came through. And I don't know who it came down on, but that was just a bad look, to put it mildly. Yeah, oh, yeah. To say the least, they should have just said, okay, you know what? We didn't get him. Let's move on. Let's go. No, but we, the fact you even addressed that, that was just throwing more gas on the fire because your fan base, who has been dying to get a superstar into Madison Square Garden to play basketball for the Knicks mm-hmm. on a consistent basis, just went out the window per se because in the current state of the NBA – Everybody's forming super teams. Everybody's trying to become Golden State 2.0 since the blueprint has been created in Miami way back when it was Bosh, Wade, and LeBron. Everybody has been trying to copy that formula to a degree. The Knicks were trying to do the same thing. And let's be honest about it. When you clear up that much cap space to land two major free agents, you're trying to form a super team. So you don't move heaven, you know where, and earth to get to to get that much money and then get like C list or B list players. Right. And especially in that fan base because like we said, the relevance of the Knicks as a basketball team might not have been long lasting over the past few years. But that fan base has never quit on them. 
That fan base is one of the most rabid, passionate fan bases you will find in all of sports. I was saying, in a time and era where you have other fan bases and other teams going through similar, you know, bouts of, of mediocrity and not great, you turn on some of those games and you will see, you know, very empty arenas, like hardly anybody there. You know, for the Knicks, that's not so much the case. No, the Knicks have always drawn. Because it's the Knicks. It's the history of the Knicks. It's the history of playing at Madison Square Garden. And like I say, the team has not been great in a while. It hasn't been even good in a while. Let's be honest about it. I will be the first one to tell you they haven't been good. But when they're making strides to improve, and then they have a shot to bring major free agents to the Knicks, to your team, to a city and fan base that is starving to get some star power there, to let them go to your crosstown rival is unacceptable. And it has to fall on your management. It has to fall where, Pad? Because this is the question I'm asking. Boy, I don't know. Like, the fact that they didn't get him, I think it falls on Dolan. I think so, too. And I think, unfortunately, for the Knicks, their owner, James Dolan, has. I don't, like, you talk about the, the little base god curse. Mm-hmm. Or what's it? What? Uh, little B. Thank you. We now have that with James Dolan throwing Charles Oakley out of Madison Square Garden because since that moment in time, it seems like everything has... It's not just that moment in time. It's the entire time since he's been promoted to kind of like head honcho with the Knicks that things have been crap because that was back in 99. What have they done since 99? Not much. Who have they gotten since 99? Not much. You can go down the laundry list of, of things he's that have happened. You referenced Charles Oakley. There was the incident last season where the fan voiced their opinion of sell the team and then Dolan banned them from Madison Square Garden. I mean, you've got the whole disaster and debacle with Isaiah Thomas as the general manager. I mean, you can just go down, go down the list. I mean, Duffy likes to bring up, uh, you know, the trade for Carmelo Anthony and how much they had to give up for him. Mm-hmm. Like, under the tenure of his ownership as the, as the head of the New York Knicks, what good has come from it? Why would any player in the NBA want to come to a team where, okay, yes, there's already enough pressure on you to play in New York because, let's be honest, it's been a hot minute since the Knicks have won a championship and the fan base in the city is ready for it. They are ready. And so you've already got that on you. You've already got the, the pressure of playing in Madison Square Garden, you know, the, the quote-unquote mecca of basketball arenas. But then you've got the potential for on any given night, any given Sunday, to have reporters coming up to you going, uh, hey, uh, did you hear what ha- the latest of what happened with James Dolan? He got in an argument with a fan down, out, while out on the town last night. What do you think about that? Like, what player would want to deal with that? It's the argument that you bring up the point. I mean, that is your argument. Is it all on Dolan? And at this, at this stage, you have to think yes. And like I say, I reference back to when he threw Charles Oakley out of Madison Square Garden. To me, that is probably the lowest point in Knicks history for me. Because knowing Oakley's legacy yeah. with the fans and the Garden and the Knicks to say, somebody, do that crap. Somebody who bled for that team. Without question. To do that and not publicly apologize and make it right and get him back in there and get him right on center court and you know just do it there. That's what you need to do. Because since that point, you're trying to tell me other players haven't seen this in the league? And the challenge is to get them to come to New York because if this is the case, which I understand that's an incident and that's a such a bad look yeah. that a lot of players are shying away from yeah. it. I get that. But when you're the Knicks, you're the storied franchise. And the selling point should be, okay, yeah, we have an owner, not the best. Can't, you know, I'm not gonna front about that. But when it's still New York and it's still that fan base, and to win there, that's your legacy. Yeah. Without the pressure is there. 
So if you are uh, an elite athlete and you thrive on pressure, that's where you go. And that's where you, you, you will absorb the spotlight. You'll be a legend for the rest of your life. The fact you go to Brooklyn where the pressure is less on you, I mean, if you win there, it's a nice story. Yeah. But it's not legacy. It's not legacy, but it, but there again, it's it's kind of like, why would you want to come to New York when you've got Dolan being the joke that he is? And you kind of look at things in Brooklyn. Okay, it's a little less pressure. Ownership, yeah, they made that one bad trade back in the day, but they've recovered from that beautifully. You know, they, they've made head over heels improvements after that. And and you're not going to have to deal with on a nightly basis of, oh, hey, yeah, uh, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets decided to throw Jason Kidd out of the arena and ban him from the from the you know Barclays Center. Like well, you're not going to have to deal with that. Well, let's be fair. I mean, that's not every night, but I but right, uh, but those right. but those incidents when they happen. And like I say, there's only two that have really stuck out concerning that, and the one is Oakley, the other is the fan, which yeah. I think have really impacted how free agencies are looking right. free agency players are looking at the Knicks. But overall, I mean, there are instances, but they're I don't think that they are as crushing per se to really steer players away. Maybe the Oakley one is. That one I could understand. I'll say one well, I think the more recent one was I think it was the New York Daily News. Uh Dolan had to try tried to have them banned from the garden from like doing their usual duties of covering the games in press conferences. There was something there too which I, I, I'm not familiar with so I'm not going to speak on just because I'm not a hundred percent sure what it is. But the moral is with this for the Knicks to lose out on Durant and um, Irving, Kyrie, and then everybody else. Yeah. Well, I mean, DeAndre Jordan, I think, is a non-factor. No, but I'm and, saying like they were kind of looking at other players that okay, if we don't get Irving or we don't get Durant, we can maybe fill the hole with this. And yeah, they didn't get that. No, they didn't. But the one area they did is, I mean, they did get some quality players to fill in some spots. But the the problem you have is for that fan base, Julius Randle is a nice player, and is he going to be adequate? Absolutely. Yeah. He's not coming to Rand. He doesn't no. have that star oh, power. Oh, God, no. God, let's, no. Let's be honest with you. And with that being said, to come into arguably the biggest media market in the world, the biggest basketball media market on top of that, to not make a splash with a free agent of the Kevin Durant caliber speaks volumes. This is where the Knicks are definitely struggling with their PR about this. Oh, yeah. Because they have made great acquisitions for not getting a major free agent. Yeah. So let's just say this. I am not saying this just as a Knicks fan. I'm just saying this being very honest. Mm-hmm. Was it the best day for the Knicks on Sunday? No. But did they make some smart decisions? Yes, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Because they didn't go crazy and overpay somebody a max contract, yeah, yeah. which I was fearing they were going to. Yeah. But how they handled this situation by releasing why they didn't sign Kevin Durant allegedly, yeah. which if you didn't have the meeting at all, then how did you not even get a chance to offer him the contract? So that was going to be your plan B. Like, just whoever handled that, it's a bad look. Yeah, they botched it. You should never even said anything. No. And the fact that you have to release a, an email to your fan base or, your, I mean, a social media post, what, three hours in the free agency apologizing? Mm-hmm. When there were still a lot of players on the board. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. This is mind-blowing. The, the fact that you dropped the ball with this and you couldn't get Kyrie or 
Durant, whatever the case is. And and we'll get into those guys a little bit more in their new teams a little bit later. Yeah. But the fact that you didn't get them and then you send out an apology letter? Yeah. What the hell is going on? Yeah, it would have been one thing if like they came out and refuted that story that like, you know, cuz cuz that story came out and then the Knicks put out their their press their press statement about oh you know blah 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 it would have been one thing if it's something entirely different and a better look in my opinion if they'd have come out and if it's true they didn't get a meeting with the guy they could say you know contrary to reports in the media right now we were we were never given and did not receive a meeting with kevin durant and his team yeah they should have done something like that because this is just a pr nightmare yeah to whoever is running their social media, whether it's Dolan, whether it's their other management of basketball operations, whoever is doing this, here's what you need to do. Get offline. Get everybody together and get your facts straight before you talk to your fan base. Because, obviously, you guys don't know what's coming or going. Yeah. The fact that you did this, like, you didn't get two-star players of Durant and Irving. And they apparently, as reports are now coming out, they were already planning on going to Brooklyn last season. Yeah. Allegedly. I mean, there's so much drama with that. Right. That, okay, if they weren't coming to Brooklyn, you still could go after some players and you still should have some luster to get players to come to New York. And the selling point is this. Can you win in the garden? Can you win in the Mecca? And I know that we've talked off air about this too. This day and age, maybe... Madison Square Garden is not the historic place for a lot of younger players because the Knicks haven't been relevant. Yeah. And I get that. But their agents, their PR people, their brand management people know what kind of impact it is to win in New York. That's your selling point. Yeah, I, I think it's the thing now, like you said, the, the younger generation, the kids coming into the NBA now, are it's it's kind of like when Jeter was in his last few years of his career. You had more players who, when you talk to them at the All Star game or in between games or whatever, like you say, "Oh, who was your favorite player growing up?" A lot of them said Derek Jeter. They didn't say you know shortstops, first baseman, or whatever in the past. They were saying players that were around now. You get that a lot in the NBA, where like you you talk to them about growing up and being a fan of the NBA, and who, oh, who do you model your game off of? Oh, you know. Uh, Kevin Durant or LeBron James or something like more recent stuff when, they, like you said, the Knicks weren't that good. I think the other thing is I think eventually some point sooner rather than later, don't, not saying like today or next week, something will happen with James Dolan because, yes, Knicks fans have hated him for a long time and they've wanted him gone for a long time. And anytime something comes up, you get your usual suspects in your usual places saying he needs to go. But after the debacle that was last night, you had some national writers in John Heyman, who covers Major League Baseball, Mike Greenberg from ESPN, among others, saying something needs to be done about James Dolan. It, it's kind of it's kind of you know you always talk about that bubble where news and discussion and controversy and stuff and like anger and outrage is kind of self-contained. I think it broke that proverbial bubble where it's kind of spreading out. Like, all right, no, this is kind of a joke. Something needs to be done about this because. And this brings back to my point about selling about the Knicks. They are in the most historic arena for basketball in all the NBA. And even if you're a newer fan and you're a younger generation fan, if you do the history about Madison Square Garden, there's a reason they call it the Mecca of basketball. And it has that prestige to it. This, All those sports writers you just mentioned know this. And that's why I say that's the big selling point about coming to New York. Because if you win there, you're a legend. Yeah. But they're exactly right. 
And this is just the cherry on the Sunday that is the Dolan regime in New York. The fact that you couldn't land one of the multiple superstar free agents. And Kawhi Leonard, I know, has not signed and he's not going there. The fact that you couldn't land one major superstar to your team, let alone you let two go across town to Brooklyn and the Barclay speaks volumes. How do you get the message to James Dolan that this went wrong? Simple. When ticket sales start going down, merchandise starts going down, they're not getting the coverage on the back page of the New York papers. That's when the message is getting sent because it hasn't happened yet. When Brooklyn wins, and if they win, because it's still not for a foregone conclusion they're going to win, until that happens, the Knicks are still going to be a factor, no matter how bad they're going to be. But if you want to send the message to Dolan about that, the easiest way to do it is just you, if you're Hit not going, the wallet. if you're not going to the games, if you're go if you are going to the games, you get vocal and you make your your voice felt. I mean, I'm not telling everybody to go and start you know a sell the team chant, right? But if you're going there when you're on social media, get vocal about it. Let, you know, let your voice be heard because the thing about it is if you're going to the game still, no matter how bad the team is, I mean, you're supporting the team. Just, just in just in your kind of like pro, quote unquote protest or whatever you want to be, be sensible about it. Don't be belligerent. Yeah. Don't don't be like tweeting at every person involved with the Knicks in all caps and threatening them. Just like voice your opinion and give your opinion, but be reasonable about it. Yeah, be reasonable. I'm not saying do anything like like every time the Knicks tweet out, don't tweet fire James Dolan James Dolan is a bleep James Dolan is a that because you know James Dolan's not the one sending out those tweets he's not posting on the team's Facebook he's not posting on the team's Instagram the person in control of that has nothing to do with him or any connection to him right so don't do it to them because trust me they're not gonna get the message back to him the message is gonna be when the New York Knicks start losing that luster and they start going when people stop going to the games when people stop buying in all the merchandise when the mystique of the Knicks is now shifting to Brooklyn, that's when the message is getting sent. And until Dolan gets that message, things are not going to change. Obviously, they did a lot to change. But I'm just saying, when you're on your social media, just talk about how great Brooklyn's doing in comparison and be a respectable fan mm-hmm. and voice your conversation. Because I will say this. This is the first time in a long time that I've seen the Knicks fan base get adamant and get wound up. Yeah. This is what I'm saying. The type of energy that everybody's using the past 48 hours, that's what I want you to start using on the social media. People have been respectable about it. That's what you need to be. But you have to send that message because, like I say, as long as the luster is still there, nothing's going to change. And for the Knicks, they did make some great acquisitions for this offseason, but they don't have that superstar power that's going to generate the ratings. So what happens now? Well, let's take a quick break. We'll follow up on that when we come back. You are listening to the ODPH. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Cool thoughts, baby. 
Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH, and uh, let's keep talking some basketball. Let's get off the Knicks for right now. We'll say sure, because there were, obviously there were some other signings that went on besides, you know, the Brooklyn Nets and everybody else, and that whole stick of dynamite that got thrown down the hole. Uh, I'm just going to run down a list and, and announce, of course, we have, well, like we talked about the first segment, uh, Kevin Durant, four years, $164 million with the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving, four years, $142 million uh, with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, that should be noted that there are reports saying that while that is not the max contract, they took a pay cut so that they could get DeAndre Jordan into Brooklyn for the price he wanted. Uh, moving on, you had Kemba Walker agree to a four-year $141 million contract with the Boston Celtics, so Boston immediately finding the replacement for Kyrie Irving, and I think that's going to work out for him. I think, okay, just to recap on these two, though. Okay, so Durant and Irving and Jordan going to Brooklyn helps. Oh yeah, huge. Well, it, it'll help next year. It'll be they'll be good this year. I don't. They won't be nearly as good as they will be the following year when Durant's back. I genuinely think they're going to struggle, and I'm not saying this because we didn't get them in New York. I am going to say this: it's been well noted that Kyrie Irving has had issues wherever he's been in Cleveland and now Boston. Mm-hmm. So obviously, coming out. Obviously, there is some issue with him being in the locker room and just how he's affecting teammates around him. Obviously, going out and getting Kevin Durant, DeAndre Jordan with him, and he's friends with him, and obviously there's a good camaraderie there. That might steer some luster or some drama away. Yeah. yeah. But until he actually can get on the court and win mm-hmm. with the team he has, because Brooklyn, let's face it, Brooklyn was a better roster yeah. going into this free agency with yeah. him. And they did have a good playoff run. But when you lose D'Angelo Russell, yeah. who is now with Golden State. Yep you kind of break up that chemistry that was that team. Now, if Kyrie could not play with the young talent that he had in Boston, yeah, how is this going to affect him in Brooklyn? Yeah, I, I'm kind of having my questions about it, too. While, yes, he is a very good player, he couldn't gel with one of the best basketball players of all time, LeBron James. Like, he, he couldn't play with him, couldn't gel. Like, he could play with him for all of a hot second, and he couldn't gel with him at the same time. Right. You know, and then you get to Boston where, okay, you know, you're out of LeBron's shadows. It's your team. It's no question whose team it is. We can build around you, and that didn't work out. What's any different about this? There is none. And, in fact, there's a bigger spotlight because I'll, let me even follow up about the point we were saying. You didn't want to go to the Knicks who have the brightest spotlight on them. You're still in New York. Yeah. That spotlight is going to be coming down on you now because guess what? When you formed arguably the team in the East that's supposed to contend, whenever Kevin Durant gets healthy enough, you got to win. I'll say the, the, the Brooklyn Nets uh, games are broadcasted when they're not on national television because I imagine a good portion of them are not going to be on national television this upcoming season. But the ones that aren't on national TV are broadcasted on the Yes Network, which is part owned uh, by, by the New York Yankees and is, if I'm not mistaken, on in three states. So, you know, the market ain't going to be small. It's not going to be small, but the spotlight is definitely on them. So congratulations. You now have painted a bullseye on your back. Mm-hmm. So you had better produce in Brooklyn, and you'd better win a chip there. Yep. Because if you don't, all this nonsense that we have talked about for the previous segment and this one is all up in smoke. Yeah. So you have to win in two, three years when Kevin Durant's fully healthy. Yeah. Because if you don't, Forget about it. Yeah. And with Durant, too, not to say that he's not excluded of this, you were hearing about all the drama he had in Golden State before he walked out the door. To see these guys in Brooklyn, now the spotlight is on you. Right. And the pressure is going to be on, so you had best better deliver a chip there during your contract. Otherwise, it's a failed experiment. Kemba Walker is a perfect addition for Boston, Mm -hmm. though. Love that addition. Yeah. 
Moving on, Jimmy Butler agreed to a four-year, $142 million contract uh, as a part of a sign-and-trade with the Miami Heat. The 76ers will receive Josh Richardson from the Heat, and the Mavericks will receive Kelly Olnick and Derek Jones Jr. as part of a now three-team deal for uh, Jimmy Butler. Okay. What's your take on this? You know what? I think it's good for him. I I think I saw one joke online. Dwayne Wade said the only way he'd come out of retirement is if Jimmy Butler signed in Miami. Well, ball's in your court, my guy. Uh, No, I think think it's good. I'm I'm interested to see where this can go. I don't know how this is going to play out. I don't either, but I'm interested to see where it goes. It's going to be interesting, but I'm I'm partially surprised he left Philly because he is – if you talk about somebody that's embraced by the fans in Philly – yeah. Jimmy Butler's that guy. Yeah. One of the hardest workers in the gym. He's definitely one of the most intense guys on the court. Him going to Miami is going to be interesting. I just don't know if this is going to be the keys to a championship. I really don't. So this move kind of struck me a little funny that he went there. Instead of I thought maybe if he went to Houston and they did a shakeup there. Right. Well, I, th- I think it's interesting for Miami because, correct if I'm wrong, Pat Riley is still the president down there in Miami. Uh, if I'm uh, yeah, I believe you're right. Okay. And Eric Spolster is still the head coach. So, I mean, you've already got a proven tandem with those two and kind of the, the success in, they had with Dwayne Wade. Jimmy Butler's only 29 years old. He'll be 30 in September. Mm-hmm. I, I think he, he kind of looks at that going, okay, you know, I got Eric Spolster, who's a very good proven coach, and I've got Pat Riley, who is willing to do whatever it takes, you know, as long as the money's there, you know, and then he can work it to get what he needs done in Miami. I don't think it'll mean an immediate championship now, but I think it's the building blocks and kind of that first puzzle piece to something for them down there. It'll be interesting because I honestly think, speaking of Philly, the Al Horford move. Oof. Pad, break it down. Yeah, Al Horford agreed to a four-year, $109 million contract with the 76ers. Holy sugar cookies. He is the piece of that puzzle. Uh-huh. I, I'm already going to tell you, my my champion contender right now is Philly. Well, that 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 could be the case, but they do have to fill a role in for J.J. Reddick because he was like 18 points a game. I still think they'll find a way to pull it off because I think Horford was the one thing that they were missing. This entire run, yeah. But the, not to say that they're a complete lock, but I think that that addition of Harford is huge. Like mm-hmm. I, I think that that is just the tipping point on the scale to get him over. But they also got to have Ben Simmons develop a jump shot because yeah. he still doesn't. And hopefully, they have a better performance overall between him yeah. and Embiid. Overall yeah. consistency is an issue. I think, in my yeah. opinion. Uh, you mentioned D'Angelo Russell before. Uh, just the details. He agreed to a four-year, $117 million contract with the Golden State Warriors as part of a sign-and-trade with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Trayvon Graham and Shabazz Napier are going to Golden State from Brooklyn, and the Warriors are sending Andre Iguodala and a future first-round pick to Memphis. Uh, as surprising no one, this is probably like the least surprising announcement of the entire NBA free agency. Uh, Clay Thompson agreed to a five-year, $190 million contract with the Golden State Warriors. This doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, we said it a couple weeks ago. I believe his, his father did an interview where he said, you know, basically if the Golden State Warriors offer him the max, he's staying. Like, that's all it takes. It, this is a no-brainer. I think if there's anything that was a lock as a lock could be. Mm-hmm. It was Clay was going to stay there. He's yeah, yeah. he's one half of the Splash Brothers, and especially with Durant gone, and I think that you're going to see a definite change in that locker room. Yeah, because obviously, I know I keep throwing it back that you know obviously there must have been some issues going on because that fight with Draymond Green that was very public during the season mm-hmm. is now speaking volumes right now. Yeah, and if you're going to keep uh, Clay, who's going to be out all next year. But if you're gonna obviously he's obviously worth that max contract to your team, and especially you keep your nucleus together, him, Curry, and Green. Yeah. 
Golden State will be okay. Just a side note, he's not out all of next year. I think he's out the earliest. The and this is the earliest. Like everything goes well, everything goes you know super Cena levels. The earliest he could be looking at coming back is maybe like February, March. Right, but I, I don't think they're going to rush him back. Right. I no, mean, obviously, no. Obviously, what happened to Rant? Yeah, they're not rushing anybody back. So my my prediction: I hope he does have a speedy and healthy recovery, but I don't see him playing at all next no, year. No, no, and that's why they went out and got D'Angelo Russell, which is a smart move. Yeah, but you're running a very small offense now, especially with Iguodala, who you sent to Memphis, right? Who I believe is going to get bought out of his contract. And the early thing I'm hearing is he's coming to the Lakers. Ooh, okay, that'd be interesting. Yeah, which. I, yeah, it's just going to be weird not seeing him with that team. Yeah. For everything Iggy has done and has meant to that team in the postseason to get rid – I mean, I understand it's, an MVP. it's I understand it's salary cap and I understand the whole jazz, but uh, I, yeah. I, I don't like that move at all, and especially if you send him to LeBron yeah. and company, that's, that's mm-hmm. going to make for an awkward playoff run. Uh, moving on to some other ones, Chris Middleton agreed to a five-year $178 million contract with the Milwaukee Bucks. Kristaps Porzingis agreed to a five-year, $158 million contract with the Dallas Mavericks. Holy crap. Yeah, it makes sense. Nikola Vucevic uh, agreed to a four-year, $100 million contract with the Orlando Magic. Harrison Barnes agreed to a four-year, $85 million contract with the Sacramento Kings. Mark Gasol exercised his option to stay in Toronto. Paul Millsap uh had his team exercise uh, team option exercised by the Denver Nuggets, so he's staying there. Brooklyn Lo- Brooke Lopez uh, agreed to a four-year, fifty-two million dollar contract with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, now, this one was interesting. This to me was kind of like the first domino or first kind of like whoa thing for me. JJ Redick agreed to a two-year, two hundred twenty-six point five million dollar contract with the New Orleans Pelicans. Huge move. Yeah. Pelicans, I tell you what, don't sleep on them next no, season. No, they have made some quiet moves. And some great moves for a young team. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're winning a chip next year, but they have they'll, the building, they'll be contending. They have the building blocks. They'll, in place. they'll be a three, four, or five seed. Yes. Uh, moving on, uh, Patrick Beverly agreed to a three-year, forty million dollar contract with the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, we mentioned before, of course, DeAndre Jordan agreed to a four-year, forty million dollar contract with the Brooklyn Nets. Derrick Rose agreed to a two-year, $15 million contract with the Detroit Pistons. Good for him. Yeah. always. You know, he had that 50-point game last year, and that was voted on as, like, moment of the year for the NBA awards, which, you know, warmed my heart. I always like seeing that kind of stuff. But, no, good for him. He's, you know, got a home in Detroit, and hopefully he can produce well for them. Exactly. Uh, Jonas Valenciunas agreed to a three-year, $45 million contract with the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Gerald Green agreed to a one-year deal to return to the Houston Rockets. Terrence Ross agreed to a four-year deal to return. Turn to the Orlando Magic. Ricky Rubio uh, signed with the Phoenix Suns. Trevor Ariza signed with the Sacramento Kings. And moving on, you know, just some more ones down the line. You know, Tobias Harris agreed to a five-year, $180 million contract with the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Nerlens Noel is returning to the Oklahoma City uh, Thunder. Julius Randle, as we mentioned before, uh, agreed to a three-year, $63 million contract with the New York Knicks. George Hill signed with the Milwaukee Bucks. Taj Gibson signed with the New York Knicks. Ed Davis signed with the uh, Utah Jazz. Robin Lopez agreed to a deal with the Milwaukee Bucks. So definitely some moving and grooving on uh, you know free agency. Yeah, definitely a lot of moves happening. I mean, the Knicks definitely made some moves, and I know they've added a lot of players for short-term deals. Yeah. 
which I find very interesting, but I think at this stage is a smart move. I mean, it was kind of funny because uh, with Randall, he, uh, I believe it was Enos Cantor compared him to Zion Williamson mm-hmm. to a certain degree. So yeah. technically the Knicks got a, a version of Zion on their team. Yeah. So for them, I think it made a lot of sense. And, I mean, just to keep you know on them, every move they did this offseason – like I said, wasn't the biggest splash, wasn't the craziest thing in the world, but they added quality to yeah. their team, which they needed to because if they if they had gone out and, and not appeared to try doing something, I think this would have been a lot worse. And mm-hmm. I think just the stigma is since you didn't land that big free agent, that's what's haunting them right yeah. now. And, yeah, now and of course the you know the last kind of big domino everyone's waiting on is Kawhi Leonard board man. You know, the latest out of him, you know, the last couple of days was that he wanted to have a conversation with Magic Johnson, and everyone's kind of wait like, wait, can he do that? Can he not do that? He can have conversations with people like if it's just in a casual setting, if I'm understanding this right. But when it comes to like sit down meetings with Genie Boss or anybody in Lakers front office, he can't be there. So it's perfectly fine for him to just have a conversation with a player. But he can't be involved in like the in the actual meeting. No, he can't. And obviously, where he goes, there's only two destinations, three teams, but two destinations. He re-ups with Toronto, which I think would be the smartest move for him. Yeah. Or he goes out west to L.A. Now, the craziest thing, and since we didn't even really touch upon this, we have heard that the Lakers have cleared out enough cap space for another max contract. Mm-hmm. Somehow. Somehow. I, I'm not even going to try doing the math on how. So let's just say the accountants they got probably deserve a raise at this point. And the fact that Kawhi is entertaining that option. Right. Pad, what is your feeling on this? It's it's a wild thought to me that you could have LeBron James, one of the best players in NBA history, along with Anthony Davis, who is a very good down-low player, and Kawhi Leonard don't. That's like partial all-star game, video game nonsense. For me, I just can't see this happening. I just, I don't because he's never been the super team guy. And I mean this like he needed somebody to go play with to form a form a crazy team. So he's been the super team killer, right? Not a super team player. I mean, even when he's in San Antonio, San Antonio just has a system, right? That gets the best out of their players. Everything Coach Popovich does down there works. When he went to Toronto, he made his team better. So why would he want to be the third wheel on the Lakers circus? And especially with the narrative that he does, that he doesn't need a super team. No. And it's not like he's in the back end of his career by any means. Right. This doesn't make any sense. I mean, because let me say this right now. If he goes to the Lakers, it's done. They're winning the chip. Right. I'm not – I don't even – it's going to be them and Philly in the finals. There's your early season prediction. To see him go to the Lakers, it's it's mind-blowing that he would need to join up with all-star caliber superstars like that to win. He has a winning team right now in Toronto. Are they going to repeat? Probably not. It's very hard to repeat in yeah. this day and age in the that NBA. Last time it was done was what, the Heat a couple of years ago? Golden State, I thought. Oh, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. So that being said, it's not impossible, but you don't exactly see that. 
So for him in Toronto, though, I mean, for me, I guess I struggle with seeing a superstar yeah. leave their team yeah. after winning the chip. Yeah, no, I, I can't see it either. But, hey, weirder things have happened already. I know weirder things have happened. I don't think he's going to the Clippers. No. God, no. I think the fact that Durant didn't go there he means he's not going. And not saying that he, they're going to form a super team there. Right, right. But I think looking at that roster, unless he wants that challenge, which he might, I just don't see him doing it. And I think that he's weighing his options. Obviously, he's seeing where everybody's falling. I this is this is a guy in, in Kawhi Leonard who just doesn't think in the here and now. He thinks like years down the road and futures and potential and possibilities. I think he's weighing the options of okay, not just what does it mean for this coming season, but it's you know if he's signing a four year deal. All right, what does it mean for the next four seasons? And what you know if I sign, you know what do I do after that? You know the players around me, the players I could potentially get. The, I think he's he's considering every possible factor going into this, and that's smart on his part. It's very smart on his part, and he's just in back playing the long game, which that's all he needs to do. He doesn't need to do anything else but sit back and just see what is going to be the best fit for him, because. He doesn't need to rush. He has all the leverage he needs. Yeah. And that's the best thing about this, that he doesn't need to go and do anything crazy. His legacy has already been cemented in Toronto. And if he wins a chip somewhere else, the only other yeah. place that would matter is if he went to the Knicks. And I know he's not going there. You don't have to hit me up on ODPH Parlay Hour on Twitter and let me know. The, like, I already know he's not coming to New mm-hmm. York. But the only other spot that he can land if he wants to go, because he's from California, if I'm not mistaken, he yeah. could go back to L.A. Yeah. But I can't see him going with the Clippers. And he I, didn't grow up a Lakers fan, so there's not that kind of mystique or luster that you know some players might get if they get an opportunity to play for the team they grew grown up for. Yeah, I mean, unless he unless he has other ambitions about like getting into movies and such, I just don't see him going to the Lakers, especially with how much drama is going to be on them this year. Yeah. That's good. I mean, they are going to have their own media circus down there, and that's just something that I just don't see him joining. They're going to have their own media circus, and and the expectations are already very high for the Lakers. I mean, we've said it before. They're the Dallas Cowboys, the New York Yankees of the NBA, where it's win or this season is a failure. And when the team that has been to the NBA Finals for the Western Conference for the the past five consecutive seasons is now down Kevin Durant, down Clay Thompson – for the year and, and like we said Duran is gone you know the door is kind of wide open for the Los Angeles Lakers to swoop in there and and take the 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 title and reign back of the being kings of the Western Conference yeah I mean this is going to be something that it's going to be wild to see who comes out of the West because like you said I mean it's not a clear-cut contender and if and that, like I've heard this said and I agree with this if LeBron wants to win a chip in Los Angeles this is his best year to do it oh he's going to have one shot at it yeah because they're already tied up in cap issues going right, forward, but right? But you just kind of you just kind of look at things around. I'm like, okay, Clay's done, gone for the year. Kevin's gone from Golden State. Everyone else is kind of like, okay, yeah, they're good, but like, are they really on that caliber of, you know, pushing into the into the finals? Okay, yeah, Houston's pretty good, but they're already talking about blowing that team up and and for with everybody but James Harden leaving. Yeah, like, there's there's really nobody else that jumps out at like, okay, they're the clear cut next man in. Yeah, that's why I say Toronto would be the best fit for him. Sign just a short yeah. deal. You don't have to sign a max contract. Just sign a short deal and then just weigh your options after that because this season, really a lot of bets are off that yeah. you can't say that there's a clear-cut favorite. You can't even say Brooklyn's a clear-cut favorite. No. 
because it's still going to be Kyrie because Kevin Durant, we don't know what's going to be the extent of his injury coming back. He's out a year minimum. He's out a year minimum, but still, when you come back from the Achilles, how, yeah. many, how many players come back from that? I'm yeah. not wishing anything bad on him either. When you, even so, how many players come back from it and the production level isn't what it was before the injury? Right. I mean, you look at the history of the NBA and the players have been hurt by it. The percentage is very small, mm-hmm. and even to the extent they come back is very small. So you can't even say the Brooklyn is clear-cut to win right away, but if he comes back, and I mean, modern medicine's a lot different, though, too. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be hard to say. So, Pat, let me ask you this. Who mm-hmm. you thought had the best free agency, who you thought had the worst? You know, I really like the kind of the moves Boston made. I mean, yeah, Brooklyn had their own things, and yes, they're big splashes, but that's to me, is way more of a question mark than anything. I kind of like the moves Boston was making. Anybody that stuck out that had bad? Uh, the Knicks, because, yeah, the, like that's pretty self-explaining when you have to put out a, well, we didn't want him anyway, presser, you know, in the first 30 minutes of NBA free agency when there are still very good players on the board. For me, Philly had the best. I am dead serious when I say this. I think the Hartford move is going to put him over the top. I like what they've done. Obviously, losing J.J. Redick is going to be a factor, but I don't think it's going to be as crushing per se. I think Hartford's going to add a lot to you, especially when they get into the playoffs. As for the worst, I actually think it's Houston. Okay. Because I think Houston, with all their turmoil that they were trying to do, and obviously the reports about CP3 and, right. and Harden, I mean, obviously that is something that I just didn't think they they addressed it any situation. They were supposed to get Jimmy Butler. That didn't happen. Yeah. And you knew one of the bigger marquee guys wasn't coming down there because they didn't really have the cap room for it. Right. And even the Knicks, though, too, you have to throw in there just from the PR standpoint. Yeah. But looking at who they got on free agency, I mean, they got Bobby Portis, Todd Gibson, Julius Randle, Ellington. I mean, they do have some guys. They're not stars, but they're going to show up and play, which – the fans of the Knicks will appreciate, but it's not that star power that you expect. So I guess on the standpoint, though, I have to agree with you. The Knicks had an awful one from PR because it just looked like the minute that Durant and Irving said they weren't coming, they had nothing, threw their hands up, and just went, we got yeah, it, it's over. Yeah. Instead of saying, no, we don't, but we're building this team. Because even their press release, to me, in my opinion, didn't come out right. And that's why I was saying, going back to the first segment, Send the message via your social medias. Be respectful. Don't do anything stupid at the Garden because they will throw you out and ban you for life. Yeah, they will. So don't do anything stupid there. Just don't watch the games. Just don't buy the tickets. Don't support them in the financial aspect. Be fans, but still just hit up your social media and definitely let them know what you think that way. But be respectful. Throw some hashtags up there. And definitely hit us up on our hashtag, ODPH. Who did you think had the best free agency? Who do you think had the worst? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Vince, the Cowman C. Toy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the Citro 7's up and coming newest podcast. Back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we have to talk some MMA. Uh-huh. Now, there was a good card this past weekend with Francis Ngannou knocking out uh, JDS. Uh, 
scary power. And like mm-hmm. I said on the tweet, because that's the only thing I'm going to touch upon this fight, is Ngannou's power too much for the technique of JDS. Over in the first round, who knows what's happening next there. Look out. I'll say whoever's fighting Ngannou next, uh, have your soul ready because you're about to lose it. Because there was rumor that it was going to be maybe the one of the people in the main event for this card we're going to talk yeah. upon. Hmm. Pat, what are we talking about? Uh, we are, of course, talking about UFC 239 taking place this Saturday, July 6th, 2019, from the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, headlining the card, of course, is John Jones versus Tiago, Tiago Santos for the light heavyweight championship. Co-maining the uh, event is Amanda Nunes versus Holly Holm for the women's bantamweight championship. Stacked card, mm-hmm. to say the least. Mm-hmm. Who else we got on that main? Uh, you've got Jorge Masvidal versus Ben Askren at the welterweight division. In the light heavyweight division, you've got Jan Blaskovitz versus Luke Rockhold. And then you have, in the welterweight division, Diego Sanchez versus Michael Chiesa. So let us break this down, the main card, shall we? Chiesa mm-hmm. versus Sanchez. I will take Chiesa okay. because Chiesa at this stage will take him down on the ground and absolutely maul him. He's in a good weight class up here. Diego, though, will put on a show. He is a madman, and obviously whatever he does in his future careers, I mean, he, he's he's a Hall of Famer in my yeah, opinion yeah. because, I, you know, I was always sad I never saw him against Cerrone. Yeah. You talk about guys that will fight anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Yeah. <sighs> Look out. I'm going to have to go with uh, Diego Sanchez in this one. He's coming out. He's on a two-fight win streak, defeating Mickey Gall uh, by knockout in punches uh, back at UFC 235 in March. Uh, and then he beat Craig White by unanimous decision back in September of last year at UFC 228. And then you kind of flip to uh, Michael Chiesa, who you know won by submission against Carlos Condon back in December of last year at UFC 232. It's just something about Diego Sanchez, man. I, I, I have a hard time betting against him. It's tough to get bet against me. Such a fan favorite, but I, I think at this stage though, I like Chiesa. I, I do submission second round maybe or okay, you know maybe a decision because Diego, Diego doesn't really get submitted. But we'll have to see what happens there. Blankowitz versus Rockhold. Mm-hmm. Now Rockhold is making the step up to light heavyweight at this division or this time. He's talking a lot of trash. Mm-hmm. Pad, who do you got? But this, see, this is hard for me because, you know, Rockhold's a very proven fighter. I mean, you look at some of the names he's beaten, Chris Weidman, Lyoto Machida, Bisping, you know, Tim Kennedy, uh, Ronaldo Souza. Like, the list just goes on and on and on and on and on. But then again, you can't bet against Blaskovitz. I, I think it's just Rockhold. He's got that pedigree. He's got that power. He's Just everything's there for him. You know what? I'm taking Blaskovitz in this one. Okay. Because I think... From what everything I've been hearing about Rockhold, he's calling out everybody else. He's calling out John Jones. He's calling out Corm- well, no, he didn't call out Cormier. He's calling out yeah. the other people. No, no, they're at the same camp. So oh, that yeah, that's so true. So they won't fight. He's calling out everybody else in that division. Keep your eye on the prize. You have to get through your first fight at 205 before you can even get to a title shot. And obviously, I mean, you were the middleweight champion. There's no question about that. Until you ran into Michael Bisping. Enough said there. So this one. Like I said, I think he's going to be a little distracted, and maybe he's not going to have the best performance coming out the gate. So I do like Blaskowitz in this one. Um, I'm going to say by decision, though. Okay. But I'll say this one could be a split one, and obviously if Rockhold can back up what he's been talking, look out. Mm-hmm. Askren versus 
Masvidal. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's kind of interesting because uh, Masvidal's uh, got a one-fight win streak. He knocked out Darren Till uh, back in March of this year at a UFC fight night where they headlined. Askren is, of course, undefeated with uh, one no contest by an accidental eye poke back in one championship in 2015. Outside that, he's undefeated. Although I should say asterisk, his last fight, he technically won a, by on a, on a bulldog choke back at UFC 235 in March of 2019. It, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't that the one where uh, Herb Dean thought he tapped and he didn't tap? Yes, that was against okay. Robbie Lawler. Yeah, okay. So, like, he's got, he's man, I don't know, just Askren, I kind of doubted the hype, but going into him, like, all right, he's talked a lot of talk, but can he back it up? I think he might pull this one out. Boy, I tell you what, this one, I don't know. This Yeah, this the, is, you need, like, a coin. Well, Masvidal is no joke. No. I mean, to take a look at his record. He's knocked out Cerrone. He's, yeah, he's like, been on a that. tear. And especially, he is, in my opinion, he is one of the most underrated guys in MMA. He will grind. He is not afraid to go to the mat. Just the only thing with Askren, and I don't want to say he's a one-trick pony, but he is a wrestler. Yeah. That is what he does. Yeah. And, I mean, we know from the hype that he was never in the UFC until they made the trade with yeah. with one championship yeah. Yeah. for Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson to get him over. And now it's like he had that fight where, I mean, Lawler dropped him straight on his head. I thought he was out cold yeah. in that fight. Askren needs this fight. Yeah. So... I, who wins the fans? I'm rooting for Masvidal. I really am, but I think Askren's going to win this. And I think if he wins, he gets that title shot. I mean, you look at kind of you. You brought up kind of Masvidal being underrated. He has beaten some names. Of course, I mentioned Darren Till. He knocked out Dar- Donald Cerrone. Uh, he's beaten Jake Ellenberger. Uh, he's beaten also uh, where is it here? Michael Chiesa, Tim Means, Justin Wilcox. Like he's run through some names. He's definitely run through some names, but I don't think he gets enough credit as he deserves. I mean, he is a guy that he will get in there and he'll scrap, and he is not afraid to throw some hands and do what he needs to. I like him as a fire. Game bread shows up, but this one, like I said, I'm rooting for him. I just, I, I think Askren's going to win this by a decision. I just, I fear this could be just a lay and pray type thing. It could be. I'm hoping not. Yeah. I really am. Yeah. Uh, next up, you've got for the co-main event for the Women's Bantamweight Championship, you have champion Amanda Nunes versus Holly Holm. Ken, Ken who you got? You know, this is a really co- tough one for me to call. This one definitely is. Nunez has been the spotlight of the new Daniel Cormier detail show on ESPN. Oh, yep. And this is one that Nunez is coming off beating Chris Cyborg. She's beating Ronda Rousey. Her striking is second to none. Yeah. Take nothing away from Holly Holm, though. No. And, Pat, you got her record there, Andy? Yeah, no. So, her looking at her kind of recent fight history, she beat, she's got a 12-4 and record as we go into this fight. Uh, her most recent fight was against Megan Anderson, where she won by unanimous decision back in June of 2018. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, she's got the notoriety of being the first one to beat Ronda Rousey and kind of knock that mystique off of her. But you kind of look at that. Since then, she's 2-4. and four in fights since she beat Ronda Rousey. And then you kind of flip the script to Amanda Nunes, who, okay, she lost to Kat Zingano uh, by TKO at UFC 178 back in September of 2014. Since then, she ain't lost. And she's beaten some names. Uh, she beat Shayna Baszler. She beat uh, Valentina Shevchenko. She beat Misha Tate. She beat Ronda Rousey. 
Ronda Rousey, she beat Valentina Shevchenko again. Then she beat Chris Cyborg. Like, she's a legend killer at this point. She's beating some names. I mean, you got to talk about her in the pound-for-pound category right now. I mean, I I give her the nickname Legend Killer because, let's face it, she's killing legends left, right, and center. Yes. I believe the nickname is Lioness. Yes. But I would still give her Legend Killer as well, too. This one, I think, striking is going to cancel each other out, though, because Holly Holm has no joke when it comes to her background in, in boxing and MMA with her striking. I think, though, Nunez might try taking her to the ground a little bit. I know we haven't really seen a lot of that, but I think that Nunez is going to get the win on this one. I think that she definitely has the the championship mentality right now, not to say Holly Holm doesn't, but I think that just right now there's a certain mystique around Nunez that I think is going to carry because I think the minute that she beat Cyborg, if she didn't have your attention then, oh, she got it now. We'll say like 51 seconds into the first round. Yeah, and that was a straight up just annihilation. Yeah, that like that. I remember that one going to that fight. We were really excited because that was like, all right, what are we going to get out of this? This is going to be like a knockdown dragout fight, and it's over. Yeah, this one, I, I I'll admit, I was shocked because I would not have bet against Cyborg. No, no way. No, neither and would N- I. And Nunez played her game and went right at her. Forget about it. Like Nunez, mm-hmm. Nunez showed no fear. And like I said, you look at her history; it's no joke. I do like though Nunez in this one, and I'll say. Stoppage of some sort in okay. the fourth round. Okay. I'll say fourth yeah, round. Yeah, I like Nunez as well. It's just you, you, I mentioned the record. I mentioned who she's beat. I don't see that stopping anytime soon. No, I don't either. No. So let's get to the main event, shall we? Yep, main event. Uh, of course, John Jones, light heavyweight champion against Tiago Santos. This one is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Santos is no joke. He's been obviously hanging and banging in yeah. the light heavyweight division for quite a while now. Yeah, uh, he's beaten Jan Blaskovitz, Jimmy Manoa, Eric Anders, uh, Anthony Smith. Uh, it, he's fought, had fights against Gregor Mous- Musasi, Nate Marquardt. You know, he's been there a hot minute. Yeah, he's definitely been in that division a while, and to see him get his title shot finally is, is a great thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Don't struggle with this at all. Um, For, for John, though, I mean... What can you say about John that hasn't already been said? Yeah. One loss, asterisks on his record, noted history of issues outside of the cage that is kind of derailed where he should be if you want to talk about the goats of the MMA world. Yeah, yeah. This is one that, I'll be honest, Santos had better bring his A game, and I hope that that will be enough to carry him to the third round. I'll say Santos better bring his A game and, like, channel his his ancestors into, like, giving him some sort of spirit energy to fight him because we've seen some contenders come up against John that, you know, while I may not have known the name, people have always said, oh, this is going to be, this might be the guy to really, you know, give John a run for his money or beat John. Alexander Gustafson, Daniel Cormier, you know, you can just run through the list, and John has stepped up to that challenge every single time. I mean, you look at the record, 24-1-1, one we you and i have both seen that one loss like we i think we both for you know the our opinions of what we have of john and his off the out the octagon antics i think we both agree that loss is a bs loss mm-hmm. you oh, know yeah. you know he got dq'd for an illegal downward elbow but i remember that fight very distinctly he was hit it was against matt hamill back in 2009 i remember watching that fight because i think it was on free tv at the time yeah it was and he was elbowing matt hamill to the point where he looked at the ref and basically was like what more do you want me to do but that being said you know he's he's run through pr- pretty much any big name that's come through the light heavyweight division. I you know no disrespect to Tiago Santos, you deserve this championship. You've been through the rings and you've been through a, you know you know what in high water. You deserve it, but I just don't see it beating John. I unfortunately don't see it happening either. I think John is not going to make short work of him. I think no. this goes to the third round, and I think John wins via stoppage. 
Santos is a true fighter, and he will definitely show up. And, I mean, if he could pull the upset off, it's not a joke. Yeah. But I just think John at this stage, and it looks so far he's gotten his head on straight that he'll be able to fight and there won't be any distractions from him. He should win this one outright. Yeah. And I think he's going to. And then what happens after that? That's the million-dollar question. Mm Mm-hmm. Because there has been talk about John going up to heavyweight. Yeah. Of course, he was teasing a Brock fight for a lot of a long time, but now Brock's officially done with the UFC, so that's out the window. I don't think Cormier wants to fight him anymore. I think Cormier just wants you know to finish out his contract and be done. Right. Cormier, I think, has moved past it. I think, yeah. I, honestly, I think he's done after the Miocic fight. I, I really do. Win, lose, or draw, I think he's done there. So for John to go up to heavyweight, I know that Ngannou – has been thrown maybe if he's going to move up there to fight him. Yeah. I know that that was getting tossed around a little bit after the fight night this past weekend for Ngannou because I know he wants a title shot against the winner of Miosic and Cormier, so whatever happens there, that could be an option. If John stays at light heavyweight, there are some names that are moving up in that ranks that we've talked about on here. Mm-hmm. Dominic Reyes is one. Jimmy Walker, I think, is still a little bit away from making that happen. But as we look at the rankings for the light heavyweight division, I mean, John has really kind of cleared out most of those names. Yeah. So to see who he gets after that, it's really tough to predict. If Rockhold puts on a lights-out performance, like let's say he gets a 30-second knockout, then maybe you could say there's a fight there because of the history that he's a former champion of middleweight and it's a fresh name for John the fight. It's going to be really interesting to watch moving forward with that. So stay tuned for that, but that's our predictions for UFC 239. Hit Mm -hmm. us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What's your predictions going into UFC 239 this weekend? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. The ODPH is proud sponsors of Robocon 2019, happening September 28th and 29th. Don't miss out on Binghamton, New York's biggest sci-fi, fantasy, and gaming convention of the year. For badge details and more info, check out robercon.org. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Pad, local minute, please. Well, of course, we got to talk a little Binghamton Rumble Ponies news. Uh, looking at last week, the last kind of week of games, uh, they had a doubleheader on Wednesday against Erie where they lost both games. Uh, then they traveled to Altoona for a weekend series where they uh, lost their game on Thursday, won their uh, game on Friday, split a doubleheader on Saturday, and then lost again on Sunday. Uh, and then looking ahead to their schedule this coming week on Monday, they've got a th- they start a three game series against Erie before they return home starting on the fourth of July for a four game series against Akron. Uh, then they take some time off because uh, they're at the All Star. They got the All Star game going on, uh, and before they return home, they excuse me. They start back up the day after the All Star game on Thursday the eleventh with a game a couple game series against Portland. They return home in case you're curious uh, on the fifteenth of July for a three game series against Reading. More information, stats, and everything else, bingrp.com. So let's go around to those bases, shall we? Mm-hmm. you want to lead us off? Sure. Got to talk a little baseball. I will get to the MLB All-Stars uh, announcements in just a hot minute. But, of course, uh, it is July. It is July 1st as we record. So I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it. Baseball fans know what's coming. Happy Bobby Bonilla Day. 
Uh, for those who are not familiar, and apologies to Mets fans, uh, for those who aren't familiar, you can look up the full story on YouTube and, and online. I'm sure there are articles about it today. It's one of the wilder stories in sports where in 19, you know, Bobby Benigni was a player for the New York Mets who has not played for the New York Mets since 1999 when they decided to buy out his contract and then his contract was back-ended with, back-loaded with, with you know, deal money and all this, with, including an interest of 8%. So... So from 2011 to through 2035, he receives a paycheck of $1.19 million from the New York Mets. Uh, if that wasn't crazy enough, that is not the craziest back-ended deal in Major League Baseball right now. Okay. Uh, so it's insane, but you know there are some other ones. Uh, Max Scherzer, of course, signed a seven-year, 2010, $210 million deal in 2015. A lot of that money is is coming in deferred payments. The contract will end after 2021, but he'll be receiving $15 million on every July 1st from 2022 to 2028. If that wasn't wild enough, Chris Davis of the Baltimore Orioles has $42 million in deferred money. His contract ends after the 2022 season. The Orioles will pay him $3.5 million on July 1st from 2023 to 2032. Then they will pay him $1.4 million on July 1st from 2033 to 2037. He'll be collecting his last payment from Baltimore at the ripe old age of 51 years old. Yeah, that's a little bit bonkers. Yeah. Props to his accountant uh-huh. or whoever arranged that yeah. deal. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's. An, I couldn't believe that. I, I laughed when I heard that one. It's just bonkers. I... I mean, hey, good for them. I mean, yeah. that's a smart move. I mean, you want you want to you know protect your money moving mm-hmm. forward. That is the thing. I mean, more, more. I think more ball players should try doing it. I don't think yeah. a lot of owners want to deal with that though. No. But hey, no. Uh, switching gears to the uh, Major League Baseball All Star game because it is approaching quickly. I believe it's uh, next week. Uh, so look forward to that. Of course, I mean, Tomer Derby is coming. Uh, Getting some rumblings and some names for that. I'm excited for that. But uh, for your starters and reserves and pitchers, uh, starting with the National League starters, you have Wilson Contreras of the Chicago Cubs at catcher, Freddie Freeman F from the Atlanta Braves at first base, Cattell Marte from the Arizona Diamondbacks at second base, Javier Baez from the Chicago Cubs at shortstop, Nolan Arenado from the Colorado Rockies at third base, Christian Yelich from the Milwaukee Brewers in the outfield, Cody Bellinger from the L.A. Dodgers in the outfield, and then Ronald Acuna Jr. from the Atlanta Braves in center field. Uh, the reserves are Yasmandi Grandal from the Brewers uh, at catcher, J.T. Real Muto at catcher from the Phillies, Josh Bell at first base from the Pirates, uh, former Binghamton Rumble Pony Pete Alonzo from the New York Mets, uh, also, former Binghamton Rumble Pony Jeff McNeil from the New York Mets at second base. Right on. Yeah, of course. Crazy thing with Pete Alonso. In case you weren't aware, uh, yes, obviously Christian Yelich is leading the National League in home runs with 29. Pete Alonso is in second with 28. <laughs> hey, shout out to uh, former Rumble Pony Pete Alonso. Incredible. Doing good things. Incredible. Uh, also at second base, you have Mike Moustakas of the Milwaukee Brewers. You have Paul DeJong of the uh, St. Louis Cardinals at shortstop. Trevor Story at shortstop from the Colorado Rockies. Anthony Rendon from the Nationals at third base. Chris Bryant at third base from the Cubs. David Dahl of the Colorado Rockies and Charlie Blackman of the Colorado Rockies, both in the outfield. For the National League pitchers, you have Mike Soroka of the Atlanta Braves. Jacob DeGrom of the Mets. Max Scherzer of the Nationals, Clayton Kershaw of the Dodgers, Hyun Yin Ryu of the Dodgers, Walker Bueller of the Dodgers, Zach Greinke of the Dodgers, Luis Castillo of the Cincinnati Reds, 
Sandy Alcantara of the Florida Marlins, Will Smith of the uh, San Francisco Giants. No, not that Will Smith. Kirby Yates of the San Diego Padres and Josh Hader of the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, halfway through, uh, yeah, that National League pitching roster is frightening. Uh, switching to the American League, uh, for the starters, you have Gary Sanchez from the New York Yankees at catcher, Carlos Santana from the Cleveland Indians at first base, DJ LeMahieu at second base from the New York Yankees, Jorge Polanco from the Minnesota Twins at shortstop, Alex Bregman at third base from the Houston Astros, Mike Trout from the Los Angeles Angels at, in the outfield. George Springer from the Houston Astros in center in the, the outfield, I should say. And then Michael Brantley of the Houston Astros in left field. And then uh, the designated hitter from the American League is Hunter Pence. Uh, looking at the reserves, you have Josh McCann from the White Sox at catcher. First base, you have Jose Abreu of the White Sox. Second base, you have Tommy Lastella of the Angels. Shortstop, you have Francisco Lindor of the Indians. Matt Chapman is at third base from the Athletics. Mookie Betts from the Red Sox is in the outfield, along with Austin Meadows of the Rays and Joey Gallo of the Rangers. You have outfielder slash second baseman Whit Merrifield of the uh, Kansas City Royals. J.D. Martinez of the Red Sox and Daniel Vogelba of uh, the Red Sox and Mariners, respectively, are at the DH. And then for the American League pitchers, you have Justin Verlander of the Astros, Garrett Cole of the Astros, Lucas Giolito of the White Sox, Mike Miner of the Rangers, Jake Odorizzi of the Twins, Marcus Stroman of the Blue Jays, John Means of the Orioles, Charlie Morton of the Rays, Ryan Presley of the Astros, Shane Green of the Tigers, Brad Hand of the Indians, and Aroldis Chapman of the New York Yankees. Stacked lineup on both sides. Uh Any early predictions? Uh, Not a lot of home runs on the American League side with that pitching lineup because you just look at it alone. You've got Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, Zach Greinke, Jacob deGrom. Like, holy cow, that's a who's who of pitching in the National League. It is. I mean, and especially they're not playing for home field advantage. No, no. No, they got rid of that a couple years ago, and rightfully so. Like, the whole reason they put in the home field advantage thing for a couple years was there was a, I forget what year it was, but there was a major league, there was an all-star game in Minnesota. Milwaukee where they ran out of players like they ran out of players and they went to a a tie and that was kind of Bud Selig's way of oh let's make it interesting and make the players want to play and participate let's you know make it for home field advantage in the World Series and that was like yeah let's get rid of that yeah I mean it just kind of takes away from it because the all-star game should just be a fun exhibition yeah Yeah. so if it ends in a tie I mean not the best look in the world but you don't really want to burn out one of your players for over extenuating for no Mm -hmm. reason yeah like I say, it's just supposed to be an exhibition. And yeah. obviously, I mean, interleague kind of takes away from that a little bit. A little I think. bit. But it's going to be a fun time to watch, especially yeah. the home run derby. Oh, can't wait. Yeah, definitely. Summertime classic. Can't go wrong with that. So for my run in the base, there is at least one New York team that did something good at the Garden this week. Okay. And that is the New York Rangers. Oh, okay. Now, over the shadow of everything that happened with... Durant and Irving ducking the garden to go play somewhere else where it's easier. The Rangers made the biggest splash in the NHL free agency that kicked off. Uh, they got a time machine and brought Wayne Gretzky back from the past. No. That'd be awesome, though. If they did that, I wanted, I wanted to get Messier. Okay. That means Fair more, enough. That means more to me. Fair enough. No. Artyom Panarin is now officially a Ranger. Seven years, $81 million. Ooh. Then they say, they call him the bread man, and even Panera Bread shot him out a tweet saying the bread man got bread. Okay. And I can't go wrong with that. Rangers made some great moves. I mean, obviously sending Vessi up to Buffalo was kind of a real like head scratcher, but they had the feeling they were going to get uh, Panarin, and they pulled it off. I mean, the other big notable names, Wayne Simmons went to New Jersey 
So that's a huge addition for yeah. them. And Matt Duchesne is now with Nashville. Interesting. Which, yeah, that's very interesting. But obviously they need to get some kind of replacement help since P.K. Subban is now with the Devils. So mm-hmm. that'll help them out tremendously. And like I said, it kind of falls under the shadow of how the Knicks are not doing well in free agency, but the Rangers this offseason. Of all people. Of all people. We're finally there. T.K. Cow is coming finally. Cacao is going to be with the big system. Krasdov is coming, coming next year. It's going to be a great time in the garden for that. And the Knicks should take note because when their young squad decides to sneak in there and get to the playoffs and make some noise, it'll just be a great time in the garden overall. I'm jumping back on the bandwagon, folks. I have never left the Knicks bandwagon. And I'm saying this, even if Durant and Irving don't want to be there, that's fine. Stay the heck out of the garden. We don't need you anyway. Fizdale and company are going to find a way to make this happen. Well, so Not Dolan. Fizdale is. Last couple of years and last couple of decades, really, you know, Knicks, Nets games were kind of like, eh, who really cares? Uh, I think they just turned into must-see material. It's going to be must-see when Durant gets back because he's yeah. going to probably want to drop 60 at the Garden that night. So that's somebody's got to stop him somehow, some way, and that's going to be Barrett because the Maple Mamba is going to find a way to pull it off. And they're going to somehow sneak into the playoffs. Like I said, they could be like a 7th or 8th seed. I'm sticking to my guns. They're not flashy, but they'll play hard for Fisdale. And that's what I want to see as a Nick. But I won't be at the Garden watching them, though. I'll be doing my own little send my message, so to speak. And I'm going to send another message, too, because that's all I got right now. So for Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, as always, for listening to another edition of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. My name is Ken M. Thank you, as always. We'll see you next time.